You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast as we go through a study of Hebrews chapter 11 in a series called Faith Lessons. If you have a Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 11. My name is Pastor Robin. Um, for those of you guys who may not know me, um, so... Um, I have been teaching a class on Thursday nights, um, so I may make some references to that as we go through tonight. So um, if you feel like, um, I don't know what he's talking about, then come to the class on Thursday, and you will, and it'll be awesome. Uh, But I'll explain myself as we go along if I make those references. So um, we are going to be talking, continuing to talk about Abraham tonight. And Abraham is such a, an amazing character in the Bible and such an important part uh, as kind of the, the father, Abraham, as we all know, right? Father Abraham had many sons. I sing a little bit every time, so I figure I got to throw something in there. I mean, come on. It's a given, right? So um, we're going to be talking about Abraham, but this time we're going to be talking about faith tested. And um, one of my favorite guys is uh, Warren Wearsby. And if you've never read anything by Warren Wearsby on being a servant of God or uh, any of his commentaries or anything like that, I highly encourage it. Um, He is one of my absolute favorites. And here's a quote from Wearsby that says, our faith is not really tested until God asks us to bear what seems unbearable, to do what seems unreasonable, and expect what seems impossible. Man, that's powerful. That's powerful. And I can almost guarantee you, if you've walked with the Lord any amount of time, okay, that your faith has been tested. There's been something that you didn't plan as part of your life that has flipped your life upside down, changed the course of what you were doing, or maybe God change that direction for you? You thought that you were going to be a missionary forever, and now you're standing in Delray Beach teaching at a church? Maybe, just maybe, I don't know, okay? So all of these things that God does, he's testing our faith, testing our trust in his promises, our trust in his promises. Let's pray and let's dig right into the word. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we honor you. Lord, we just want, Lord, you to be blessed as we study through your word, Lord. Lord, we know that your spirit is here ministering to us, Lord. Help us to be open to receive what you have for us this evening. Lord, I pray that you would use me, Lord. Make me your vessel as we sang, Lord. May they not just be words of a song, but really the cry of our heart, Lord. Use me the way that you seem fit to use me, Lord. Guide me, direct me like you guided and directed Abraham. Guide each of us in this room, Lord, into your will, into the things that you have laid out for us, Lord, because they're so much better than the plans we have for our own lives. So thank you, Jesus. We love you. We praise you. We give you all glory and honor in your name. Amen. 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 So uh, this passage of scripture Uh, We're going to talk about the patriarchs. We're going to start with Abraham, and then we're going to Isaac, and then Jacob, and we're even going to talk about Joseph just a little bit. Um, And 
Um, if I tell you the complete stories of all of these guys and the things that they're referencing in these moments, we'll be here until about 10 o'clock. So I've decided to pull it back a little bit so, I, so that we're only here until about 8.39. Um, so I was listening to Pastor Daniel's message from last week, and he said, you guys know how to binge Netflix. So today we're binging scripture, and we're going to do like four or five episodes right in a row. Okay? Um, so... That's what these are. These are episodes, okay, if you look at it that way, and they're going to start one right after the other so you don't have an opportunity to hit pause and move, okay? So I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so we'll try to be somewhat concise. But there's a lot of material here in just a few verses. We're going to go from verse 17 through verse 22. Uh, read with me in your Bible. Uh, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instruction concerning the burial of his bones. So we're going to start here with this idea of faith and failure. We look at these men of faith in the Bible and we're, we, we have this hall of faith, hall of faith. And just like in, in every major sporting events and uh, every uh, variety of sport, there's always a Hall of Fame. There's always a Hall of Fame. In the NFL and NASCAR and various other things, you can go to their Hall of Fame and you can see the greatest of the great of any given thing. But when you see the greatest of the great, what we remember is the greatest of the great moments of their life. We don't always remember the failures that come along the way. So when we are struggling along our path, we look at these greatest of the greats and we think, I'll never be like that. Just like they thought, probably, as they stood there looking at the greatest of the greats. And they're like, oh my goodness, these guys are incredible. And one day they're standing in those, those same places, their names in the Hall of Fame. And sometimes it's just through diligence. It's through being faithful for what they're called to. Just by practicing, okay? You guys know sports takes practice, right? And by really pouring everything that they are into that very thing. So these men that we're gonna talk about tonight, some of them did that excellently. Some of them, I think maybe there's just a ton of grace poured out on a little bit of them being in this hall of faith, okay? And I'm grateful for that. You know, when people ask you who your favorite character is in the Bible, you know the majority of people actually say Peter, okay? Why? Because Peter was a mess, the guy, he denied Jesus three times. When people ask about it, he made so many mistakes. Jesus told him, hey, well, this is not a battle with swords and stuff. And like half an hour later, he's pulling out a sword and trying to cut off a guy's head and actually misses and cuts off his ear. That's my version of the story. That's what I think really happened. Because why would Peter have been aiming for the guy's ear? Come on, man. He had never used a sword. He was a fisherman. 
He didn't know how to use that sword. But either way, Peter was a failure, right? He was a failure by every stretch of the imagination. But when we get to the book of Acts, I don't know about you guys, but I never preached a message where that 3,000 people came to the Lord in one fell swoop. Imagine. Imagine. And then the next message he preached, 2,000 people. Lord, give us that power. Amen? Come on. Don't you guys want to see that many people come to the Lord right here in Delray Beach? Wouldn't that be exciting if we really just saw an outpouring of God's spirit like in, in Acts? Maybe I should teach about Acts, Daniel. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. We're going to stick here with Abraham. There's some great stuff in here. Faith and failure. Um, there's a couple of things in this passage of Scripture with these four men of faith, okay? The patriarchs of our faith, really. The patriarchs of our faith. Their lives are messy. They're messy lives. They remained faithful to God through it all. That's the key. Remaining faithful to God through it all. They each had major failures, but God still counted them faithful for their obedience. Obedience. Guys, so much of faith is found in obedience. Obedience is one of the principal things. If you were here on Thursday night, you, you heard my story about praying for a young woman who ultimately was healed of cancer and, and me telling the story uh, to one of my pastor friends and I was like, I have no idea because everything I understand about healings is you have to have faith that God's going to heal this person for it to, to work. I, I don't, he's like, what are you talking about? You had faith. You were obedient. You taught what God told you to taught. You took the oil that God told you to take. You put it upon the woman's head when he told you to do it. You called the elders. You prayed over her. That's faith. It's not about how much belief I can muster up in myself. It's about being obedient to what God called you to do. That's faith. And these guys were doing that very thing. Let's talk about Abraham. Some big mistakes, and Daniel referenced a little bit of this last week uh, as he went through, and it said God made Abraham big promises, huge promises, that he would be the father of many nations. He made a covenant with him. The crazy thing about this covenant that God made with Abraham, usually in a covenant, they would split animals in half, and both parties would walk through the middle of the bloody sacrifice and say, basically, the point was, if either one of us breaks this covenant, may this happen to me. May I be split in half, okay? If we break this covenant. But God knew better. Abraham was gonna break the covenant. Abraham was gonna fail. So he put Abraham into a deep sleep and he made the covenant with himself, the scripture said, because the only person not going to fail in that type of covenant is God himself, because we're broken. We're broken people, and we're going to make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes, and Abraham made several of them. As Daniel mentioned last week, there was a promise made of a baby. And remember, Sarah laughed. She's like, ah, I'm old. There's no way. My womb is dead. There's no way. Right? And then they believed and it was 25 years later that Isaac was born. 25 years later. The waiting. Can you imagine? 
A promise of God that you would be the father of many nations. He was 75 years old when the promise was made. He was 100 years old when Isaac was born. Crazy. Crazy. Okay? So we see that Sarah comes up with an idea. It's been a long time. God said that we would have a baby, and it's been a really long time. So I've got an idea. Take my handmaid and lay with her, which was common practice back then. If a woman was barren, then the husband would take the handmaid, lay with the handmaid, so that there was a namesake, that there was a child. And a child was born to Hagar, and his name was Ishmael. Ishmael. And there's a whole other Bible study that can follow the, the lineage of Ishmael and the things going on with Ishmael and Hagar. But God said, no, that's not the child that I promised you. You did that one in your own strength. Now then the scripture says, when Abraham was also dead in conception, not dead, dead, okay, just dead in conception. That meant that his body wasn't gonna give babies anymore either. And her womb was dead as well. Then they conceived a son. 25 years after the promise. 25 years after the promise. So Abraham made a mistake. Instead of trusting God's promise that he, that he would provide through his wife Sarah, he went and laid with his handmaid because that's what people did. Sometimes instead of trusting God's promises, we follow along with what the culture does because that's what people do when they have these problems instead of trusting in the faithfulness of God. And that's what Abraham did. And God said, that is not the promised child that I have given you. Okay? Now, if you know anything about Ishmael and the lineage of Ishmael, this would be a problem for the rest of history, including today. Okay? There's a whole bunch of stuff there. I don't want to get too deep into that. All right? Then there was another moment. Okay? where they went to Egypt, and they went down to Egypt, and uh, if you know anything about Abraham and Sarah, you know that uh, Sarah was his uh, half-sister, okay? So when they went down to Egypt, it was, uh, if you uh, had a beautiful wife, okay, it was very common practice for the Pharaoh to say, she is lovely, kill the husband, bring her to me. And Abraham was scared. Now remember, there's promises made, okay? Abraham was afraid to die. Abraham was afraid to die. So he said, she's my sister. It's a half-truth. It's a half-truth. And so Pharaoh's men took her into the palace, and she became one of Pharaoh's wives, if you will, concubines, for a moment. And then God punished Pharaoh. And then Pharaoh got mad and came back to Abraham. Why did you lie to me? She's your wife. Why did you lie to me? Abraham made a mistake. He made a mistake. He made mistake after mistake after mistake. But he is the father of the faith. Yet he made a ton of mistakes. This is one of the things that we should love about the scripture. It is full of broken people being used for God's purposes. And what that means is you qualify. Broken people, messy lives being used for God's purposes. I'm so glad that he put these people in the Bible. Isaac, his failures were different, okay? 
Isaac wanted his son Esau to receive the firstborn blessing. But there was a prophecy that said that the younger, that the older would serve the younger. But Isaac was insistent about the fact that Esau should receive the blessing. Now, blessings, which we're going to talk about in a little while, are normally given in public. It's kind of a ceremonial thing. Invite the family over, get everybody around, and then the father would give a blessing. Isaac did it in the privacy of his own room. It said that he was blind. He was struggling in his health a little bit. He would live for another 80 years after the blessing. And he, can't, he called Esau, and he called him in private, and didn't even tell his wife what he was doing to bless his son Esau. Because he knew, okay, that she had the prophecy that said that Jacob would be the one receiving the blessing. So, of course, she manipulated things and all these types of things. And then there's this question that in the book of Romans, it says something really interesting, and I'm not going to answer it. I will on Thursday, though. So if you want to know about Esau or Jacob I have loved and Esau I have hated and where that falls and what that means, okay, you're welcome to come on Thursday and we'll answer that question at the beginning of class before we jump into the rest of our apologetic stuff, okay? And if you're not able to make it on Thursday, you're going to have to ask one of your friends what it was said. Now, not that that's a tough one you guys, okay? People have been answering that one for years, and there's a hundred different answers out there, and that's why the question was asked. It's because there's a lot of different views out there. But these two gentlemen in the Bible, it's a very interesting story, okay? Because God chose Jacob to be blessed, and you guys know that Jacob's lineage, okay, Jacob will become Israel, and the 12 sons and so forth and so on, and, and, and we see Abraham's promise fulfilled through the lineage of Jacob. And Esau and his family will become the Edomites, and that will be a perpetual problem for the people of Israel. And eventually, when David becomes king, the Edomites will come into Israel and bow down before David, and the older will have bowed to the younger. Pretty cool stuff. Prophecy fulfilled. The older will bow to the younger. Okay? We'll get into that on Thursday a little bit more. Okay? But here we see that Isaac was going to do this, and he was going to do it secretly. Now, Rebecca, his wife, instead of trusting God in this moment, created this deceptive plan with goats and goat skins and fur on the arms and all of this type of thing to deceive him to deceive her husband. And Jacob came in. She touched his arms. You sound like Jacob, but you smell like Esau. Come close so that I may touch you. Touch the goat skin. Oh, yep, that's Esau, my son. He's a hairy boy, right? That's exactly what happened. And he gave him the blessing, and he gave him the blessing. Jacob was part of that deception. Jacob had previously deceived his brother already. Sold his, uh, took his brother's birthright. He knew how important food was to his brother. And he saw his brother coming in from a hunt one day and he had this big bowl of lentils that he prepared because Jacob was more of a chef type 
and less of a hunter type. And that's why Isaac liked Jacob. I mean, Esau more because he was manly. And Jacob, he liked to cook and stuff. It's all right. God blesses Jacob. God chose Jacob. Okay? Just because he didn't like to go out and hunt did not mean that he was not a man that God had hand-selected okay, to, to be the father of these 12 children that would become the nation of Israel. He made us all unique, didn't he? There's no one formula for a man. Stamp it on. If you don't gruff hard enough, if you don't carry a gun and go hunting and fishing, you're not really a man. Sometimes our culture likes to tell us that that's actually not a very biblical concept. Okay, so we look through these types of things. That deception, that was not new to Jacob. Jacob constantly was a deceiver and he would struggle throughout his entire life with deceiving people and doing these types of things, okay? Uh, so this would cause tension for years and years to come. Now let's go back to Abraham. Let's look at Abraham. Here is faith in obedience, verses 17 through 19, okay? Abraham's trial. God was testing Abraham's faith. Genesis 22, 1 through 8. Genesis 22, 1 through 8. I'm going to read you this story, and it's an incredible story about Abraham taking Isaac up to be sacrificed. You can only imagine, as a parent, how difficult this must have been. Abraham, God said, here I am, Abraham replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, and I will show you, that I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out in the place God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them went on together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father, Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. You know the rest of the story, right? He gets on the top of the mountain. He's actually uh, puts his son on the altar to be sacrificed. And he lifts the knife in the air as if he's going to sacrifice him. God lets him go this far, okay? And then he sees a ram in the thicket. God says, stop. Go get that ram in the thicket. Get your son off the altar. Abraham's an old man. Why didn't his son fight him? That's an interesting thing, isn't it? There's a lot of cultural context in there, okay? Where they lived in Mesopotamia, it was very common, okay, for there to be a call for a firstborn sacrifice, 
right? God would later call this a pagan practice and said, do not participate in these type of practices. But you have to remember that Abraham here is before we have the law. It's before any of these things. And his relationship with God is somewhat unique as he is the father of these many nations, which ultimately is the lineage of Jesus, which brings us salvation. This story is a typology. This story is a typology. And what we find here is obedience is where the faith is found. Obedience. Abraham was obedient to God. He was willing to give him the very thing that meant the most to him. The very thing that meant the most to him. He had waited 25 years. 25 years for this son. God gave it to him. Now his son was in his late teens, most scholars believe, maybe early 20 at the most. And God said, take him and sacrifice him. And look at Abraham. Abraham didn't say, but God, but, but, but you gave me this. This is the promise. This is the thing. No, he said, I go and I do what you've called me to do regardless of what I think about this situation. You know Abraham had doubts. You know Abraham must have thought to himself, what is going on? But Hebrews chapter 11 gives us a little hint into what was going on in Abraham's brain. He said, even if I sacrifice him, I believe God to raise him from the dead. Why did Abraham believe that? There had not been a single resurrection in the entire Bible up to this point. Why would Abraham believe that? It would be much easier for somebody in the New Testament to say, well, yeah, if something happened to my son, I believe God can raise him from the dead, right? I've seen Lazarus, Jesus was raised from the dead, okay? There was Tabitha, there was uh, the little girl. There were several people, okay, that were dead, that were raised from the dead. So now you have the confidence of the resurrection, but where did Abraham get this confidence from? Remember when I said her womb was dead and his ability to reproduce was dead and God resurrected them to be able to make babies, maybe that's where he got it. Maybe he realized if God has the power over a dead womb and he can bring life from something that's dead, then I believe him to bring life from my son if I have to kill him. If I have to kill him. If you listen to the wording in the story there are so many only begotten son, his only son. And he watched his son go up the hill. And his son carried the wood on his back as he walked up the hill to be sacrificed. The father, knowing in obedience that that's what he had to do. That's what he had to do watched his son carry the wood for his own sacrifice. There's a lot of comparison there. And that's part of the point of the story, guys. That's what God was doing. But in the end, God provided for himself the sacrifice. Isaac was a gift from God. He was a fulfillment of this prophecy. Abraham knew that God would keep his promises, so Abraham obeyed even though he didn't understand. Sometimes God calls us to do things that we don't understand. 
okay? In 1 Samuel, the Bible tells us why obedience is better. He says, has the Lord as much delight in a burnt offering, sacrifices in the, as in the obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. To obey is better than sacrifice. The amount of sacrifice, the amount of work, the amount of money, the amount of things that we can give to the church that we can do for the body of God, all of those things, God desires your obedience more than he desires any of that. More than he desires any of that. He desires your obedience to what he's called you to. That's what honors him. More than any burnt offerings from the Old Testament, more than any of those things, God was always looking for faithful, obedient people. And that's why all of these people are in the hall of faith. None of them are perfect. Noah and the things that he did. But he faithfully built an ark because God said it was gonna rain even though it had never rained before. It's gonna rain, people. You're a nutcase. Yep, well, I'm building an ark. Why are you building an ark? There's no water for miles and miles and miles. You'll see. God said, I believe. And a long time went by with him saying that. A lot of things, okay? So in this second section here, we're gonna see a faith blessing, okay? Before we move on, I wanna tell you this little story. Sorry, I was like, wait, I didn't tell this little story that I wanted to tell, and I love to tell stories. I don't want to skip right by it because this is a story about my son who just walked out of the room. It's probably better. He'd be embarrassed anyway. Colleen probably doesn't remember this, and neither does Liam. She might remember this. She was five and Liam was three. One of the biggest struggles that I had going to the mission field was my children. Money was an issue. I prayed a lot about money, but... You can eat on almost nothing in a third world country. I wasn't too worried about that. I knew we'd be able to survive, okay? Um, we had sold a house. We had some money in savings if it was ever necessary. We really felt like we weren't supposed to touch that, but we knew that if we really had to, we could. And to be honest with you, while I was afraid of that, uh, there was never an issue of money while we were on the mission field. God was so faithful. But the scariest thing that I had to do was offer my children to God. We were going into unknown territory. We were going into places where uh, the doctors were not as educated in some of these places. Um, so we had a situation where one of our kids fell and hit their head on the ground. And uh, one of the doctors actually um, told us, nurse the baby and put her to sleep so that we can do a CAT scan and see what's going on with the brain. One of the worst things for a concussion is to put the baby to sleep. And that's what they told us. So there was so much weird stuff going on uh, that we were nervous about. And I remember right before we left, okay, I had a friend who got up every day at 5 a.m. and went to the church. The pastor gave him a key. He went to the church every day, okay? And he went into the church and he just spent the first hour of his day at the altar praying. And I asked him one day, I said, I'm really struggling with this. I don't know if I want to go because of my kids. They're babies. Maybe I should wait. They're babies. What if something was to happen to one of them? And I said, can I come and pray with you in the morning when morning 
And I went and I prayed with him and there were tears, there was a lot of stuff and I, I ended praying there, um, releasing my hold on them. I said, God, they're yours. You gave them to me if you choose to take them away. It'll kill me, but they're yours. I trust you with them. Faith tested. Just a few months later, we went to a mission training field in Mexico. Liam was three years old. And you know, kids, they're into everything. We're in Mexico, in the Baja Peninsula, okay? And we're hanging out in this missions training camp, and all of a sudden, like, a large portion of Liam's body breaks out in a rash. And so, of course, we take him to the doctor. The doctors actually come to you there a lot. So the doctor comes, they examine him, have no idea what's wrong with him, have no idea. Well, he's running fever, he's got all of these things, and nobody knows what to do for him. We're giving him medicine, they gave him creams, nothing is changing. And this goes on for a couple of days. And we're desperate. We have no idea. I, I, I could only think back to that moment where I offered my kids on the, on the altar and said, Lord, they're yours if you want to take them. But I said, please don't take my son. Please. And so we took and I went to a missionary couple that had been teaching there and, and I asked him, I said, you guys were on the mission field in Russia for 25 years. I said, what do you do in this moment? And he said, the only thing I've ever known to do in my entire life, I get on my knees and I pray. I get on my knees and I pray. And he took out a bottle of oil and he anointed Liam's head and we spent about an hour praying that evening. And when we opened our eyes, Liam still had a big old rash. And we went to bed that night and we got up the next morning and he was perfectly healthy. That doesn't always happen, but it's a beautiful story of God's faithfulness in that moment. It was a test of my faith. I said, God, I give him to you. And God said, do you really? It's easy to say it's harder to do. Abraham had to deal with that. We have to deal with that. Okay, all the time God calls us to things and we have to say, I'll sacrifice this part of my life for you, God. I'll pack up my entire house and move out of the beautiful state of Washington State and move all the way across to a place that I have no idea and trust you, right? That's what you had to do, right? And it takes a lot of faith. It takes a lot of faith, and that faith gets tested over and over and over again. Now we're going to move on to uh, this passage that's called, uh, that, that I, I've entitled, Faith Blessing, Believing Beyond What You See. Speaking of children, speaking of offering them to the Lord. The next two by faith passages that we see in this passage of Scripture, the father and the grandfather are blessing their children and their grandbabies. This is a Jewish custom that's lost on us. It's a Jewish custom. The Jewish people still do this today. If you go into a Jewish home, a lot of times, they'll actually say, uh, this is um, my son, Brian, the doctor, and he'll be like four years old. Because to them, they believe that they are speaking 
a truth about their son that they desire that he will be a doctor and they see attributes in him that remind them of the mind and brain of a doctor. So they speak that over him as a blessing by calling him that when he's a baby. It's an interesting thing. This is what happens in these passages of Scripture. Before these children become anything to speak of, while they're making all kinds of mistakes, their fathers speak prophecies over them. Their grandfather speaks prophecies over them. This is a call for us, guys. This is a, a moment for us as parents to speak life into our children. We as parents, it's very easy to get kind of wrapped up in the ideals of you're doing that wrong and you're doing that wrong and you're doing that wrong. And if my son was here, he'd say, amen, amen. You say that all the time because we do. It's easy for us to focus on their failures as opposed to their potentials. God sees their potentials. God sees and prophesies their future. And I believe he calls us to do the same. What are the great attributes of your kids? What are the things that you see in them that they don't see in themselves? We need to encourage those things. We need to foster those things. We need to bring them up, believing and giving them the confidence in those things. Because if we believe that they are uniquely and wonderfully made, like Psalm 119 says, then we need to see that in them. This is for me, guys. That's not for you guys, okay? So you guys don't even need to listen to this because God's speaking to me right now about how I deal with my own children. When we look at this passage of Scripture, okay, it says, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. He spoke their positive attributes about them. He spoke the things that he saw about them if you go into the scripture. Proverbs 15, 4 says, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. As parents, we so easily break the spirit of our children. Our desire is for them to be the greatest baseball star, the greatest lawyer, the greatest. Is that God's desire or just yours? Are we living vicariously through our children? Did we want to be the greatest baseball star so I push my kid into baseball even though he hates it? Think about that. Sometimes we do that. What's my kid good at? So when we look at Jacob and Esau, you see, okay, Isaac struggled because his view of what a man should be was a little bit more of his son Esau, even though he knew the prophecies of God that Jacob should be the blessed one, even though Esau was the firstborn. When you go throughout the, the early passages of Scripture especially, you'll see that the secondborn is blessed a lot because the firstborn disqualifies himself by doing something really dumb. It's the secondborn that ends up getting the blessing a lot, okay? There's several passages of Scripture where the secondborn ends up getting the, the, we don't have time for all of that, and time flies so fast when you're standing up here. I don't even know. You guys feel like it's been like four hours. I feel like it's been like 10 minutes, okay? Uh, so as we look at these blessings, okay, Isaac was 100 years old. His eyesight had failed him. 
God told him that Rebecca had two nations born inside of him. And he already told him which one he should bless. We talked about this in failures. But here's where Isaac's faith is. When Isaac gives that blessing to Jacob and Esau comes in later, Isaac says, I'm sorry, son, the blessing has already been given. It's already been bestowed upon your brother. I can give you a different blessing, but I can't take his blessing back and give it to you, no matter how much I want to. He knew, he knew that God had already told him that Jacob was the one to be blessed. He was just trying to make it work in his own strength, in his own things. But he still spoke a blessing over Esau's life. It just wasn't the firstborn blessing, okay? So those things are very important as parents, okay? Uh, when we look at Jacob, by faith, faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. You guys might remember why he's leaning on the top of his staff and why he needed his staff at all times is because uh, Jacob wrestled with God because he was a very stubborn man. Okay, and he touched his hip and it went out of joint and Jacob walked with a limp for the rest of his life. Constant reminder of his disobedience and rebellion against God. So he's leaning there on his staff and it says he's worshiping and blessing his grandchildren. So grandparents, bless. I think grandparents are better at this than parents. I'm just saying. Grandparents, I don't know what it is, but you guys seem to do a better job at blessing your, your grandchildren and seeing just the most delightful parts of them that sometimes the parents can't see. Maybe it's because they're with you for a shorter period of time and when they get on your nerves, you can send them home, right? And as a parent, you gotta keep them when they get on your nerves. I mean, it depends on how close grandma and grandpa live. You can send them to the grandparents' house, right? That's why it's always good to have grandparents living close. But grandparents do. I don't know what it is. Sometimes I call my mom and I'm like, I don't know what to do with this child. And she'll tell me all the time, just with this peaceful, amazing, beautiful vision of who he is and who he will be. All of his great attributes and just remind me of them all of her great attributes and remind me of them. As she's back there going, oh, he's talking about Liam. <laughs> I'm talking about you too. Grandparents are good at this. Bless your kids, bless your grandkids. Tell them the great things about them. Not just how good their report cards are, but bless their character. The things that they do, get excited when they do something amazing in character. That's so much more important than the other things. So this faith by faith is trusting in God that God created this child. God has a plan and a purpose for this child. God knows the future of this child. And by faith, no matter where they are today, and I know some of you guys, that's a big deal, where they are today. By faith, you gotta trust God for them. Especially if God's already given you vision and told you what these kids are gonna do and, and, and how they're gonna turn out. Or even about the church. There's been a lot of vision and prophecy come through this church and sometimes it takes a little bit longer than we want and sometimes we get frustrated and we go, Lord, 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 why not yet? Why is my child still doing the things I don't want him to do? Why is my child doing this? 
I feel like a terrible parent. Why is my church not growing as rapidly as I want it to? God's promises are yes and amen, right? His promises are yes and amen. When we look at the last one, by faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about Exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. This is faith in God's deliverance. Faith in God's deliverance. Faith in God's deliverance. It's the last point that we're gonna look at. Joseph did not know that the exodus of Moses was going to happen at the scale that it was gonna happen nor the time that it was gonna happen, but he knew that God would deliver his people because God had promised them the promised land. He knew that this wasn't the final destination and he didn't want his bones left in Egypt. He wanted them in Canaan. He wanted them where his people were going to live. He wanted them there. So he said, hey, you guys, when you guys all get to leave here, they're like, what do you mean when we get to leave here? We're stuck here forever. We feel like we're all gonna die here. Hey, when we all get to leave here, right? Now, they weren't deep in slavery at that point. Not as bad as it would come, okay? But they were growing rapidly, and there was a great attention to them, and the Pharaoh changed, and this new Pharaoh didn't know Joseph in the same way that the old one did, and things began to get a little more tense, and uh, the children of Israel started be being under more pressure, and they were growing rapidly, and they, then, then the, the, the Egyptians were fearful that this people would rise up, and everything began to change. Joseph said, hey, uh, can you just take my bones with you when you leave here? We're going to leave here? Okay. Sure, we'll take them. When we leave, we'll take your bones. Just make sure to pass that down through generations. When you leave, take my bones. Okay? When we look back at Abraham, he believed that God would provide and deliver. When we look at the, the sacrifice of Isaac, there's two words, two names of God, Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah Nisi. God, our provider, and God, our deliverer. God, our provider, and God, our deliverer. And when we look at these men of faith, when we look at these men of faith, they trusted God to provide, and they trusted God for deliverance out of the difficult situations that they were currently in. And that's where we need to have our faith. Some of us are in difficult situations, and if you're not now, you will be eventually. They come and they go throughout life. They come and they go. The older you get, the more you realize life is hard. It's really hard. And you think to yourself, oh, when I'm a little bit older, it gets easier. In some aspects and other aspects, it's still just as hard. It's just as hard. There's still trials every single day. There's things going on in your life. Sometimes you're on the mountaintop and sometimes you're in the valley. Trust God. He's our deliverer. He's our provider. In these passages, we see faith is manifested in so many different ways, in blessings, in deliverance, in believing, in trusting God for the future. Ultimately, all of it comes in trusting God to do what he says he will do and knowing that he always provides a way. He always provides a way, just like he did for Abraham that day when he provided the ram. Trusting God to provide begins with faith in Jesus 
Christ. He is our deliverer. He is our deliverer. All of these things. Like I said, Isaac, it's a typology. Jesus carrying his own wood for the sacrifice up the hill. The difference is that the father actually watched his son be sacrificed. And Abraham got a little bit of a reprieve from that one. It was a typology, but Abraham didn't have to go through with it. God the Father did go through with it because he loves you and he knew it was the only way for us to be delivered from our sins. So when we look at these patriarchs of our faith, they trusted God. We need to trust God to be our deliverer and our provider. He brought Christ for us. He's given us a way, and we need to trust him. As we celebrate communion, as we think about the things that God has done, remember the deliverance that we have in the body and the blood of Jesus as we sing and worship together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for these men of faith, Lord. Thank you, Lord, just what a testimony it is, Lord, of their mistakes and failures, yet you still used each one of them to accomplish great things. Lord, to bring about your son for our ultimate deliverance, Lord. Lord, help us not to lose sight of that, Lord, that whatever's going on, wherever we are in life, Lord, that you have great things for us. Lord, and that you can do amazing things through terrible circumstances, even when we fail, when a lot of it's our fault, like in some of these guys. So Lord, I just pray, Lord, I pray for each and every person here, Lord, that you would help them to be bold in their faith, to trust in the promises that you've given them, to know, Lord, as your word says, that you will return, and we can stand on that promise and that truth that we have in you, Lord. Help us to worship you and praise you, Lord, as we move into this time of communion. Lord, may you be blessed. We thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. This is Pastor Daniel Williams with Redemption Church. Thank you so much for listening to this message. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube, so you never miss a message. The mission of Redemption Church is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus, and we would love to have you partner with us. Feel free to share these messages with your family and friends. And also, if you'd like to donate to the ministry, go to redemptiondb.com. God bless you.